podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. Today we are recapping a week for the Kansas Athletics program that, again, was not an absolute disaster in any facet of it, honestly. Um, You know, a Kansas football team that went down and uh, had another really close game, had an opportunity to win that game late against TCU, and were not able to pull it off. Uh, And then, of course, Kansas basketball going up against Stony Brook and preparing for a Thanksgiving week tournament um, Fetch will be on for the second half of this episode. Again, we're leading with football, um, but Fetch will be on the second half to talk about the basketball team. Uh, I have Mike Plank, editor-in-chief over at Rock Chalk Talk, joining me now for the football team. Mike, how was it to uh, to have a second straight week of not a just complete disaster of a Kansas football team? Excellent question, Andy. I am happy you asked. And um, you know what? I uh, I rather enjoyed that game for the most part. For the most part, I rather enjoyed that game. Kansas played a near-perfect first half. Uh, you know, they controlled the clock. I think I think they controlled the clock for like 20 minutes compared to TCU's 10 minutes in the first half. And uh, if they could have gotten just a little bit more offense in that first half, the entire game ends differently maybe. But uh, another disastrous third quarter and then a comeback in the fourth and a last-second field. I mean, that, man, that's all we've been asking for for the last 10 years, right, is, is – Close, competitive, exciting football, and yeah, exactly. You know what? You can't deny it. We're starting to see that. So hey, yeah, you know it. It is one of those things. You talked about that disastrous third quarter, and and Jesse Newell, I think, was the one that put this stat out, or at least that's where I saw it. Where you know, I think it, that's at least in part um, due to the fact that Kansas, whenever they win kickoff or win coin flips, they are typically actually taking the the ball in the first quarter. Um, and so it's one of those things where, and you know, and and most teams they want to defer to the second half anyway. So so Kansas has been starting with the ball in a lot more games than you would typically see. Um, and so, you know, that gives the, the the opposing team the possession first in the third quarter, which if the defense isn't really able to get any stops, you know, especially coming out of halftime, it makes it difficult to not get outscored. I think it was like 140 to 40 or something like that when I saw it. It might have been even worse than that. But, like, you know, it's a big it's a big differential there in the third quarter, and it definitely continued in this game with TCU getting two touchdowns to take the lead um, and Kansas not being able to, to score anything in the third quarter. But... You know, it is definitely one of those things, like like you talked about. The the first half, I thought, was really, really good. Um, yes, they gave up one gigantic play uh, that really, you know, sprung TCU and allowed them to go down and get that first drive for, for a touchdown on their first drive in the first quarter. Uh, but then Kansas battled back and had some really, really nice plays. Uh, the, the defense really buckled down for the rest of the first half there. Um, you know, and they went into the break leading 14-7, to which, like you said, you would have hoped that they could have pulled off another one at the end there. The one thing I think that really had a huge effect on this game, and we'll talk about a lot of the players that played really well, but you saw a noticeable difference in the Kansas offense uh, in the second half versus the first half. And I think a huge part of that had to do with the fact that Devin Neal went down at the very end of the, yeah. of the second quarter. Um, yeah. He was not like he was out on the sideline was supporting the team, did not have his helmet for the entire second half. It sounds like he had a shoulder injury that may knock him out of the finale here, but um, you know, it's one of those things. This team is a lot different when you don't have a guy like Devin Neal. Like Amari Pesek-Hickson, absolutely, you know, great back, great bruising, kind of change of pace back 
Um, unfortunately, he just doesn't, I don't think, has the skill set to do the sorts of things that Devin Neal does to keep teams off balance in the running game, um, which really simplified things for TCU. I'm not saying he can't be successful, but he definitely is not as versatile of a back as a guy like Devin Neal is, which really narrows the options from the running game and made it a little easier for TCU, especially with the adjustments they made uh, to really kind of stop what Kansas was doing. Um, so, so your thoughts in general, though, I like, I, we, we talked about the defense and, and we'll break that down. I think a little bit more here in just a minute, but um, you know, there was a lot of players that played fairly impressively on the offensive side of the ball. Which one was the most impressive to you? That's a, I don't know. That's a really good question. Kwame Laster had a good game. Um, what do you have? Eight catches for over a hundred yards, I think. And I mean, he's a guy who's been piling up stats. Uh, one of our guys at RCT just put up a, an article today about how he's just kind of very quietly put up, you know, top 20, top 10 receiver numbers in school history um, over the last four years coming to KU as a walk-on. And he had a really good game. And he's not a guy that goes out there and catches 10 balls for 150 yards every week. But, I mean, he he very nearly did that this week. Um, so, yeah, he had a great game. Uh, obviously, I mean, we can't go too long without saying Jared Casey, right? He had two highlight reel catches. Um, one that I don't know if it made sports their top 10 or not, but that one handed catch along the sideline, that was incredible. And then the kind of a little trickeration and the touchdown catch that he had, uh, was, was a great play by probably more so by Daniels than, than, uh, than Casey, but Casey, Casey still made the catch. So, uh, you know, he caught all four balls that were sent his way. So, I mean, that guy is, he's, if he's not already a fan favorite, he, he may be quickly be. And, I mean, Jalen Daniels, except for what one pass, played a real clean game, really impressive game for the second week in a row. Yeah. So those guys really stand out to me on offense. Yeah, you know, again, I, I believe, well, I'm not sure who, who who was it tweeted, but took a look at pro, pro football focus numbers after that. And, like, the two highest rated, I think it's the two highest rated players on the team, are also, are also two guys that haven't played in any game except for the last two in Jalen Daniel. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, have played significantly in any games, but the last two would be Jalen Daniels and Jared Casey, um, you know, understandable with the kind of games that they've had. Um, but it's also kind of one of those things where, you know, this is what this Kansas team had to do for them to be competitive, for them to really kind of get things turned around is they had to find guys that weren't the starters at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, that weren't like the ones that, that you expected coming into the season to really take off. Um, and had to perform well, had to develop guys over the course of the year. Like if, if, if Jalen Daniels was the starter at the beginning of the year, I'm not sure he would have played as, you know, significantly better than Jason Bean at the beginning of the year. Just the way the team was set up, the way they were trying to learn systems and everything. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and Jared Casey, you know, true freshman walk-on, if he had been thrown into a more prominent role at the beginning of the year, I don't think he would have been prepared to do the kind of stuff that he's doing now. But, you know, I think what we've seen and why Kansas fans should be optimistic about things moving forward is we have seen development from the entire roster. We have seen guys, you know, get more comfortable with what's going on and, and take that step forward. And honestly, we've seen this offensive line, I think is where we've seen the biggest development um, in, in, you know, over the course of the year Um, line coach, Scott, Scott Fuchs has done a phenomenal job with this team, with, with this line and really set this offense up, you know, with the ability to, take a step forward um, in, you know, what I've been terming year negative one, you know, <laughs> with, with yeah. everything that's kind of been going against Lance Leipold coming into this first season, there literally should have been no expectations. And I think we're finally at the point now with the way that they've played these last two weeks and, and 
you know, regardless of what happens, I think against West Virginia, there are going to be a decent number of fans. I think that have at least some expectations for next year in terms of an improvement in win, win loss record, you know, and some other things that, that it was kind of weird to even think that that was possible going into next year, especially the way that they were playing just a few weeks ago. So, yeah, yeah, that's that's, I have no issues with any of that. Yeah. So, so one other thing that kind of jumped out to me offensively, um, you know, Jason Bean did see the field. They, they, they did say that they were going to play both quarterbacks. Um, and I think you saw what I was kind of expecting to see that, that Jason Bean slotted into the spot that, uh, Tory Lachlan had before he got hurt. You know, the, the QB turned running back that could give them another dimension. And really, I think the one thing is that when you hand it off to a guy that can also play quarterback that has played quarterback, you open up the possibility that he could, you know, be taking a bootleg out there instead of actually running the ball. Um, you know, it does open up options. Leipold has shown, and I actually went back and looked, he's shown the what he likes to do and Kotelnecki to have a guy like that that they can get out to the flat as a running back that adds just another dimension. So I'm not surprised that they're using him in that fashion. Um, gives off big Kerry Meyer vibes, you know, a, a quarterback who loses his starting spot to a different quarterback and ends up transitioning to another role in the team to be able to stay on the field. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do with him in this next game. But, you know, it's also it's also one of those things where Kansas is going to be trying enough different things that uh, I'm I'm interested in this game regardless of what the outcome is because there is there are just so many open questions, so many new possibilities that we could see even if the game doesn't end up actually being competitive at the end. So um, going – go ahead. I was just going to say that. Um, you know, how do you feel about a Kerry Meyer comparison? You know, Kerry was 6'3", 220, and Jason's 6'3", 190. Like, put a few more pounds on him and put him out wide, man. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's one of those things where, yes, it's it's fairly certain at this point that barring some sort of huge setback or something going on in the offseason, Jalen Dan is going to be the starter for this team next year. So Jason Bean, if he wants to be on the field and doesn't want to, you know, transfer again, um, is going to have to do it some other way because, and and that's the perfect way to do it. Be a Kerry Meyer type guy where you find another role, you can contribute that way. If they need you to step back in at quarterback because something, you know, God forbid happens to Jalen Daniels, an injury or something like that, then you're still in with the team. You're still, you know, getting those reps. You're still doing what you need to do at that point. And it gives Kansas a lot of different options. Um, you know, so before we move over to the defense, talk about that. Was there anyone else that stood out to you on offense that you wanted to talk about? No, I'm not, I don't think on offense particularly. I think we covered it. Yeah, I mean, I was to say Luke Grimm had four catches for 39 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he had a fairly good game. Uh, you could tell, though, he was a little rusty. Um, you know, he's been out a, f- a couple weeks. He had a, a catch that he could have made earlier in the game that, that he dropped. Um, but it's, the touchdown catch was really nice, though. In between two oh, defenders, yeah. I think he took a pretty big hit. That was a really good play. Yeah, it, it was one of those you could tell that he was rusty, but he got back up to speed pretty quick. So, all right. Um, but you know, the one thing, the one thing that this game did for you know everybody, honestly, was show just how far this team has come, which really helped even in the loss. You know, or, or early in the year, every time they lost, I would look um, over on my symbol account sponsor here on the podcast and uh, would see the value just ticking slowly down. And after this loss, instead of dropping by, you know, like 20 cents, it went down by maybe a penny or something like that. But uh, you can too can take advantage of all the great things that are happening in college sports um, or really any sports that, that you do follow with our sponsor over here 
on Symbol. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams by going to Symbol.com. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com. Create a free account. When you deposit, make sure you use the promo code CHALK12 for a money-back guarantee. Yes, money-back guarantee, meaning that after 90 days, if you, you know, if, if you head on over there, want to try it out, want to, you know, jump in investing in like an NFL or NBA or NHL team that are all going on right now, or you want to hit the tail end of the college football season, you know, try it for 90 days, um, you know, see how much fun it is. If you don't like it, if you end up losing money in those first 90 days, decide that, hey, it's just not for you. Let them know they will refund up to the entire amount of your deposit up to $500. Um, that's a $500 money back guarantee for you to go out and try this using promo code chalk 12. It's a lot of fun. They have a lot of pick them contests, a lot of other things going on. It's, a, it's kind of a social thing. You can, you know, connect with other people and kind of see how they're doing, have have what they call teammates. I'm really enjoying my time over there. I know that you will as well. If you get over there, find some teams that you think are a little bit undervalued and find a way to make the money that way. But go to symbol.com, use promo code chalk 12. That first deposit up to $500 will have a money back guarantee. Uh, head on over there, start investing and profiting off your favorite teams today. All right, Mike, let's talk about this defense because, like you said, they had some issues. Yes, they made some big plays at times. Um, you know, the guys that we expected to really step up and do some things, they did at times. But, uh, you know, I mean, what, what was your overall take on this defense? Defense is bad, man. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, I said over on RCT that yes, we love Kenny Logan, we love Kyron Johnson. Those guys are are good, maybe even great players. But two players does not a defense make. And I mean, TCU threw sixteen passes against forty nine rush attempts, and they rushed for over three hundred yards that game. They just gashed us play after play after play, and. You know, I'm not, I'm not a football coach. Never have been. I never will be. I don't know if we were making adjustments or if we weren't or if what we were doing just wasn't working. Or I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't in the fire. I don't know. But the fact is, is that the, the rush defense particularly is very, very bad. <laughs> the defense as a whole is not good. Um, and that's definitely this team's Achilles heel now. Obviously, the offense hasn't been good until the last couple of games either, which is – Contributing to the two and eight, two and nine now, I guess record, but uh, but yeah, the defense has a long ways to go. Yeah, I mean, I I still think a lot of that is one. Yes, they have a talent deficiency compared to a lot of other spots in the ball, and yes, they do have some really sure. good top end talent. But the problem is, like even at like Kenny Logan at safety, they don't have another shutdown safety that you can rely on, and Kenny Logan can't be on the field every single play. Um, similarly, you know, Jacoby Bryant is an absolutely phenomenal corner, but again, he's not on the field every single play and, you know, you can always throw the other direction, especially when a team like TCU that has two really good wide receivers, you can't shut them both down with just a single guy. Right. And so like Darius Davis had an absolutely phenomenal game, but he is not the only receiver that they have. And he, but he is the only receiver that put up big numbers consistently. Mikel Barkley had one huge 48-yard reception. Yes, um, like those big plays that happened. But Darius Davis was the only guy that consistently got any kind of receptions there that really kind of stretched the field. And, yes, I think part of that, like you said, was, you know, they only had 10 completions. They only threw it 16 times based you know compared to all the carries that they had rushing-wise. Um, 
But, you know, that's the kind of problem that Kansas has elsewhere. Kyron Johnson is an absolute beast on the line. But, you know, they have a bunch of other guys that are coming along that are developing fairly well. But nobody else is just a standout guy that is just going to completely bull rush over people. And so, again, you can scheme around that. You can go the opposite direction. You can do those sorts of things. And Kansas has guys that at times can make plays, which is why they've been able to really, you know, um, shut down opponents for small sections of the game. But, you know, if there's holes, give them enough opportunities, they're going to find them. Um, Kansas just isn't talented enough and hasn't been able to scheme around the talent that they have well enough to be able to completely shut down those sorts of opportunities. And, and you know, we knew that TCU had some really good running backs. Um, you know, even though Zach Evans was out, like Emery DiMarcardo is, is a guy that people were expecting to be really good this year. Um, you know, and, and Kendra Miller apparently is a lot better than I think most people kind of assumed, you know, he did have that one fifty six yard run though. That was just absolutely ridiculously long. Um, you know, that's really the thing though, for, for, uh, Kansas is that they give up big gigantic chunk plays. Um, and, and that really causes problems because, you know, they move the ball down really quick and, and it, it's impossible, especially if you're giving up one of those, you know, every other drive that means that those yeah. guys are going to be super successful. Um, yeah. you know, and you're going to get into a situation where TCU probably sh- should have scored more points than they did. And Kansas did a good job of kind of stopping them at times. Um, but it's just not consistent enough, you know, unless the offense is able to score every time down the field, like they did against Texas. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, we're, we're looking at this kind of from a lens of let's look at what's happening uh, development-wise going into next year. I think what we've learned is that they have a lot of pieces that they can pull together that they can mold and really turn into something next year. So um, it's really just a matter of how, how big of a leap can they take? You know, how much can they do in the offseason? What's this recruiting class going to look like? I think it's, you know, it's about time to start getting excited about the recruiting class that they do have and see how they can finish it out and really bring in a bunch of guys um you know looking at this team it's still a very very young team there's a lot of room for improvement there's a lot of room for development in the guys that they have um so yeah. you you, have to, you just can't be anything i think but excited at this point yes a little frustrated with the way that the game got lost but the fact that they were in that game you know um you know what I just realized we didn't even talk about the clock management issues. Did you have any, <laughs> did you have any big issues though, with the way that the clock, I guess was, was mismanaged at the end of that game? I mean, honestly, Andy, I can see it both ways. Um, I mean, it's a fair point to ask what else was Leifold going to do. I mean, TCU was gaining seven yards every play on that final drive. Uh, you, you know, do you really want to use a timeout on second and three? Well, no, not really. You don't really want to do that. Um, so, I mean, it, I, I get it. Um, I get it on both ways. Um, but it's it, the, and the counter argument to that then is obviously, well, what was Kansas doing with three timeouts in its pocket at the end of the game? Like they, it's like they didn't even try, right? So, um, I, I don't know. I they, <laughs> they just weren't stopping him on that final drive, and there there was not really a good place for him to use his timeouts. I don't think, um, I mean, but, but, but like I said, it's silly. You can't carry him over. Like it's silly to, to not use them at all. And, and, you know, maybe you go ahead and use one of them on second and three, you, you know, think about your defensive play call for a little bit. You know, I, 
I think they ran 14 plays, 13 offensive plays on that final drive, and they only threw it twice. Like, you knew they were running the ball. Like, maybe you can call some kind of a run blitz that's a little bit different than what you've been doing, get them for a while. I don't know. Maybe something could change. Um, I, I, I personally am in the camp that, yeah, you should have used them at some point. Um, but I definitely see the argument for, well, when would he have realistically used them? Yeah, so. I mean, it's it's one of those things, like, I, I definitely understood because I was sitting there yelling at him to, like, hey, use your timeouts. But then mm-hmm. really got to think the way that they were running it, like, you could tell once they didn't need to get another first down that they really kind of stopped trying. But if he had been using right, timeouts yeah. and they just needed one more first down to really kind of bleed the clock, I get the yeah. feeling, like, they – I think they would have gotten one more first down if, if, you know, it was still at that point, in which case you don't even get that last, you know, attempt to try to return, which I, I honestly, I think that was the bigger thing is like, you should have told the guy. Yeah. You, I mean, it's hard to think you're going to get that hail Mary, right. You know, with an actual offensive play, but you got to feel a whole lot better about the opportunity for Jalen Daniels to run around and make something happen. And then you can do like a hook and ladder type thing on a deep right. reception. than you do about, picking up a kickoff and running it around when you've got like five yards, you know, in in the backfield. So I don't know. Um, I mean, it was also kind of one of those things though, where, you know, it it just seemed all inevitable once they got to the point, you know, they scored that one to, to tie it up. And I immediately thought, crap, they gave them way too much time at that point um, to go down and drive and, and actually get that game winning field goal. So, um, and didn't have like, I didn't have any, uh, illusions that Kansas was going to be able to stop them or, you know, do anything at that point to like, you almost kind of hope that they would give up a big play and get down there and then hold them to a field goal so that Kansas would actually have time to go down and try to get another score. And obviously that didn't happen. So, um, but that's all right. Looking forward to this, this Saturday, right? I like, we are going to do a preview. I'm not exactly sure when it's going to drop, but we are going to do a preview of the game. Uh, I already have a guest lined up. I just need to make sure it actually happens with the holiday weekend. Um, But looking at this game, looking at this West Virginia game, like what are you looking for? What are you expecting to see? And what would it take for you to think that this is, you know, going to be a a, a successful finale, I guess? Uh, You know what? That's pretty simple for me. Cover the spread. Spread was what? 14, 14 and a half, wherever you, depending on where you look. Right. Cover the spread. Play it. Play a competitive game. You know, don't fall behind twenty-eight to nothing in the first quarter, and then come back and cover the spread. Like that. I mean, that would. I guess that. Well, you know, I guess that'd still be a good sign, right? If they managed to make a comeback. But I, I don't know. My, you know, play it. Play a thorough, competitive game throughout, and cover the spread, and give yourself a chance to win the game in the fourth quarter at some point, and and then we can start talking progress and culture and. Um, changing the direction and, and, and all that stuff. Um, and then the reason, and again, there's another reader at RCT that made this point in one of the comments, and you alluded to it earlier, Andy, is that Kansas is literally um, the, let's see, the fourth youngest team in D1. Jayhawks have yeah, 68 players on their roster. Yeah, 68 players on the roster who are freshmen or sophomores, which is the highest among Power 5 programs and fourth highest nationally. The only schools that have more are Navy, Northern Illinois, and Bowling Green. So it's a super young team, and they're clearly getting better every week. I think you and I both agree on that. Um, but, um, but yeah, 
and, and my argument, I guess, was that, you know, hey, I've seen this movie before, you know, 2016, 2018, you know, they put together a string of a couple of competitive games in a row, and we're thinking, okay, they're finally getting it, they're finally turning the corner, and then they come out the next year and they lose the home opener to, you know, Nickel State or whoever. Uh, but, you know, those were senior teams with, you know, fourth or fifth year quarterbacks um, who slowly got better. And by the end of the year, they were competitive. Well, that's, that's not what we have here. We have a very young team. We have a brand new staff. How many times have we said it on this very podcast? A brand new staff didn't have spring ball. Um, you know, they only had summer workouts in fall camp to install offensive and defensive philosophies. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a young team, a brand new staff. And, and if we can keep this game competitive, then, then yeah, I'll look forward to the uh, – um, to next year and to building on it with recruiting and, and, and giving these guys a whole spring to, uh, to have practice and install, you know, more of what they want to install. So that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually kind of funny cause you, you talked about what we've seen before. Um, you know, that 2016 game, right. Kansas was competitive in the game before, uh, the game before they beat Texas, but that was against an Iowa state team that finished that year. Uh, they finished that year six and five, but that included a win against, you know, Kansas and a win against Texas tech, who was also a abysmal team, um, you know, that basically wait, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. They finished that year three and nine. I don't have no idea what I was no. looking at when I saw that. Yeah. There was another bad team that they stayed competitive with before they beat Texas. And then they got walloped at the end of the year as well. Kansas did, um, you know, yeah. after that game by Kansas state losing that game by, by, 15 so losing by two scores in a game that was never even really that close if i remember that one correctly they got a late touchdown to actually bring that game back close to something respectful. two late touchdowns they had two uh no i'm sorry it, it was a late touchdown and a late field goal i think it was, what it was. Mm-hmm. yeah to end the game to get it so it was 34 to 9 and then kansas scores the last 10 points to make it seem uh, yeah respectable. That's a, that's yeah so yeah. i mean we had we had a you know a a fluky win against Texas that was sandwiched around, um, you know, games that you can't really get excited about. Whereas this one is, you know, games that you can be excited about for here because we are actually seeing progress. We're actually seeing actual improvement on the, on the field. And so it's one of those things where, you know, this had definitely has a different feel. Um, I could almost say if anything happens in this game, because West Virginia has a defense that's actually a fairly good defense. Um, I do expect though Kansas to actually have some success against us. So as long as you know Kansas doesn't get like completely shut out and lose this game by like you know thirty five or something, I, I feel like you still have to feel good about the way that this season has gone and and the future. I do know, um, you know that with it being Senior Day, it's going to be an absolutely raucous environment out there. There's going to be a whole bunch of people out there having a whole bunch of fun. Um, doing a whole bunch of tailgating and, you know, the best way to make their tailgate as great as possible is if they were to go over to sponsor here on the podcast, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high quality metal home goods for the college super fan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not the, oh, it's really, really close. You know, it's, it's blue. It might be Kentucky blue, but it's blue. Um, other manufacturers use those all the time. They have the real genuine KU colors, if that's what you're going for. Um, you know, they have absolutely phenomenal stuff. You can get whatever size grill grate that you need. If you don't see what you need on the site, you know, they don't have the right brand. They actually have somewhere you can go in. They show you how to measure your grill to get the right size. 
and then you can go and enter in your custom dimensions and they will actually cut it perfectly for the grill that you have. So it's absolutely phenomenal. They have really great accessories for the grill. Um, other home decor items. I have the desk plaque with the KU head and the you know word Kansas on it. I had to make me a sign for the podcast logo here. I absolutely love it. Um, you know everything that they make is high quality, made in the USA, and they continue to add new products all the time for all the schools that they have. So if you use promo code Chalk Twelve, you can get fifteen percent off your entire first order, and all orders, um, actually all orders right now get free shipping. Absolutely phenomenal the way that they do that. But uh, you know if you are going to go ahead and order, make sure you order early. Um, you know, as early as possible because, you know, with everything going on with the pandemic and all the supply chains getting interrupted, um, you know, we're fast approaching the time where they can't guarantee it'll be here by the by the time th- that the holidays roll around. I'm not saying that that should necessarily stop you if, if you have to wait a little bit, because let me let me tell you, um, with some of the gifts like these that I did last year, you know, I ended up not getting them till after Christmas, but letting them know it was coming. They were super excited about it. It was almost like having a second Christmas. So definitely head on over to gridironmetal.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. Get 15% off that entire first order. I guarantee if you go over there, you will find something that someone on your shopping list does not have and will absolutely love. Uh, all right. So, Mike, one final question for you because I saw this on Twitter, and I figured it would be the perfect thing for us to talk about. Look, Kansas after they won the game against Texas, did not get an opportunity to storm the field because it was on the road, obviously. Um, and despite the fact that students showed up and fans showed up at Memorial Stadium and tried to rush the field at that point, they were they were denied. Um, there were, There's a big debate going on about what the criteria are for being able to rush the field after a win. Um, and I made the statement that, hey, if Kansas actually lost a close game against West Virginia and decided to rush the field to celebrate the fact that they beat Texas... Um, I don't know that I necessarily be upset about that, but are you would one? Would you be upset about that? Because I I think that you could actually justify it with how fantastic that Texas one was, and everybody needs to be reminded that Kansas beat Texas in football again at every opportunity. But uh, you know, if Kansas does pull off the upset, um, you are fully expecting the fans to rush the field again, correct? I mean, I hadn't thought about it honestly, but uh, yeah, why not, man? You're in college; you only live once. Go for it. I have, I have zero problem with it. I, it honestly kind of annoys me that these conferences have, uh, you know, fines and stuff for the school and when their fans rush the field. And was, they're kids, man. Let them run out there. Let them celebrate with their team. Let them, uh, you know, let them have fun. Let them, let them be kids, man. I mean, whatever. I, I, I've never understood the hate on, on rushing the field. Um, you know, people say, act like you've been there and whatever. And I, I mean, to an extent, I get that, but man, don't be a hater. Let, let the kids have fun. That's always been my stance. Exactly. Now, now, will you be so brave as to join me that, uh, you know, if even if Kansas loses against West Virginia in a close game, that, you know, rush the field to celebrate the fantastic season they had anyway? The fantastic two-win season? <laughs> hey. hey. <laughs> Again. Everybody needs to be reminded about wins over Texas from Kansas. And uh, look, it's a whole lot better than I think anybody expected reasonably coming into the year at this point, um, the, the way that this you know feels like. And so I, I fully expect that uh, Kansas fans will be very happy. You know, again, unless they win, I, I doubt they actually would rush the field, but uh, I definitely would not be super upset. I'd have a whole bunch of fun with it you know, with the shot I mean, of being able to do that. You know, I, I almost wish though that they would have pulled what I believe it was Harvard did to Yale the other day where when Kansas was down at Texas, they should, the fans that were in attendance should have rushed Texas's field when they beat them. Hmm. That would have been awesome. Yeah, I don't know about that, but um, 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind about, you know, the students or fans or whoever going to the field, if we lose against West Virginia, like, man, I don't know if I want to deal with all the memes and jokes and stuff like that from the K-State and Missouri fans. So, you know, I, That's fair. I'm a little more iffy on that one. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a fun conversation to have. It obviously will never actually happen because I, I doubt that anybody would think about rushing the field after a loss. Yeah, I can't imagine that it would. But, but yeah. I can tell you right now, I would not I would not absolutely hate it. I might hate it a little, but I wouldn't absolutely hate it. <laughs> being, so. All right, Mike. Uh, that's good. I think that's going to do it for us today on football. Before we get out of here, anything else that you wanted to make sure everybody uh, heard about? No, I think we did a pretty good job today. Um you know what? Hey, if you're if you're in the area for the uh, for the holiday or whatever, get your get your butt out to Memorial Stadium on on uh, Saturday night. It's a night game. Uh, yeah. o'clock. Get on out there, support the seniors, support the super seniors. Uh, show show Coach Leifold some love and uh, and uh, and yeah, let's let's build on that. Have a good game and let's build on it in the next season, man. I'm cautiously optimistic for next year. So. I'll say let's let's make uh, Lawrence at night crazy again. So. There you go. All right, Mike, thanks for joining me. Uh, We are going to be right back here after the break uh, with Steve Fetch to cover the basketball team. But uh, that's it for the football. We'll hopefully have another good recap, one that we can be happy about and actually enjoy this next week with the finale there. But uh, uh, we will be right back on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Welcome to Between Two Bears, the newest 1012 Network podcast. Uh, this is Matt is Bear. I'm going to introduce my co-host, Evan Abair, uh, to give you a quick idea of what the show is about. Yeah, Between Two Bears is going to be a it's going to be a great sorry Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid. Between Two Bears is going to be a great look at the silly and sometimes stupid side of Baylor sports. Hey, I'm gonna try one more time. Between two. Bears. Okay, uh, Evan. Evan's gonna go take a nap. Um, but we are excited to join the 1012 Network along with the rest of their already great lineup of Big 12 podcasts. Check them out at 1012 Network on Twitter and us as well at Matt is Bear and at Evan A Bear. Uh, Sickum Bears. season is finally here big 12 fans and for your home for men's and women's basketball come to midwest madness we are doing game coverages going over game analysis different rankings of teams and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference you're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have so go check out midwest madness available wherever you listen to podcasts and I'm joined now by Steve Fetch, our basketball editor over at Rock Chalk Talk. Uh, we're going to recap what happened this last week, KU against Stony Brook, and then look ahead to the ESPN Events Invitational, uh, which I did not realize that was actually a real tournament name. But uh, Fetch, how are you doing today? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, we we talked in the first segment with Mike about the TCU game for the football team and it was not an absolute train wreck which is a huge improvement for this Kansas team so I'm actually feeling pretty good coming off of that football weekend and then uh, 
obviously it's always great to take a look at this basketball team because I think they're going to be absolutely phenomenal this year. So um, let's jump right in though, because they did have that game against Stony Brook, uh, you know, last Thursday, they won 88 to 59, but I mean, it wasn't like the super, well, I should say the second half was, was fantastic. You know, they, they cruised pretty well there, but it was pretty dicey for that first half of the game. Um, what jumps out to you as the most concerning thing so far from what you've seen from Kansas in the first few games that they played? Well, yeah, I, I think maybe the health of Remy Martin, you know, he kind of pulled up lame um, in that game and um, sounds like that's why he was uh, a little gimpy and sounds like that's why he only played 18 minutes and, and frankly wasn't very good in those 18 minutes when he did play. And um, one thing to do that against Stony Brook, but, uh, going to be another thing to do that against competent big 12 teams and, and then in the NCAA tournament. So um, we talked last time about how the the backcourt depth has improved significantly. And I think that's true, but uh, in the NCAA tournament, you need to kind of rely on those big horses. And and so he's got to get healthy. And, um, you know, I think the other thing too is maybe it's a little concerning for now that they're, you know, kind of sleepwalking through these first halves and then turning it on in the second half. And um kind of winning games based off their depth more so than anything else. Cause I, I don't think that's going to fly as much later in the year and, and into the NCAA tournament when Bill Self's probably going to relax that rotation down to eight guys. And so it's not like they're going to be, um, you know, tiring teams out, that sort of stuff. So uh, those are probably the two things, but obviously, you know, plenty of time to get both of those fixed. Yeah. I mean, I do think that there's actually something to be said for getting a lot of minutes for these depth guys now, because it does give Bill Self an option to be able to actually go and, you know, wear guys down and do what he can to to really kind of push the tempo later in the year. You know, that's usually the biggest problem that Kansas has is that they have a, a set rotation pretty early. And then if something happens, if there's an injury or if there's a guy that just isn't working out towards the end of the year, there isn't anyone that's really had a decent amount of time, you know, on the floor to, to be able to build off of that and make a push late in the season. Um, we've been pretty lucky, I think, the last few years where when a guy like an Ochai in his freshman season has to come in because of other issues, you know, on the team that he's able to step in and actually perform really well. You can't rely on the fact. I mean, I think Kansas has had, you know, three or four guys the last, you know, four years or so that have really been able to do that, come on late without much playing time at the beginning of the year and actually perform pretty well. Um, that's really not sustainable. So getting a bunch of guys now and evaluating what they can do now, I think is going to be a huge asset for this team, especially when there are so many guys that can actually play really well. Um, I actually went a different way with what was most concerning to me. And maybe it's not quite as concerning just because we saw a lot of this last year, but the fact that David McCormick again is struggling to get going and putting up a lot of points against, you know, teams that he really should be dominating inside. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, you know, it's not like he was getting into foul trouble early in this game against Stony Brook. He only played 15 minutes. You know, he did score t- 12 points, but like it, it was, it really just seemed to be a big struggle for him. I don't know what was going on. Like, what was it that you saw that, you know, kept McCormick from really getting going in this game? Because I, I don't know what it was. Yeah, I think it's mostly for now, um, he's just forcing it too much. Um, you know, usage rate still astronomically high. Um, to the first three games and, and was uh, for that game specifically. And um, that's kind of the, the big thing to me. Um, it, it just seems like whenever he gets the ball, regardless of what kind of position he has, and that's the other thing too, he's not getting great post position either, but just seems like whatever 
position he gets, he, he seems to think if he touches the ball, he's going to go up with it as if he's uh, never going to get an entry pass again. But um, as we know, that's not how Bill Self operates his offense. I mean, he, he loves to build through the post. So uh, he's definitely going to get his, uh, his touches regardless. But you know, I think a big part of his improvement last year was he increased his assist rate a lot and um, became a guy that, you know, if you doubled, uh, he would punish you and, and, you know, one-on-one he was able to score uh, relatively efficiently and um, that turned himself into a, a pretty nice little player when you pair him with uh, the usage rate he had last year. So um, he, he doesn't need to shoot that much this year because unlike last year, they've got um, other guys who can do some stuff offensively and, and get their shot off relatively easily, um, you know, as compared to last year. And, um, should have some better three-point shooting this year versus last year, et cetera, et cetera. So he doesn't really need to be that same guy. I mean, I think he works best as a, a complementary piece, and um, the sooner both he and, and Bill Self figure that out, probably the better that the offense is going to be. Yeah, I mean, we saw last year he definitely has the potential to be able to take over a game, especially if he can find a good mismatch inside. But you're right. It, it seems now that he seems to just be forcing it. When they have so many different other options, he doesn't really need to force it. He needs to find where he can take advantage. And, you know, it, it was one of those things, though, like this is a game where he should have had a gigantic advantage over everyone that he's playing. And, like, I, I'm surprised he didn't have, you know, 18 to 20 points in this game, um, you know, on even more efficient shooting than he had. I mean, he shot five of eight from the field and was two or three from the line. So it's not like he was, you know, incredibly inefficient or had a lot of problems there. But, you know, it, it just seemed like he should have been feasting and he really just kind of got some here and there and seemed pretty ineffective. It was so bad that we were actually making comments, you know, on our on our Rock Chalk Talk staff uh, text exchange there during the game that it seemed like the the announcers, for whatever reason, were like, pumping him up like pumping sunshine into him and like oh, almost like they thought he could hear them and they had to keep his confidence up i don't i don't know what's going on there but it just seems like everybody is is you know using kid gloves when talking about mccormick um because we saw last year where you know he started really slow and then came on like halfway through big 12 conference play and just really completely busted out at that point i mean there's nothing saying that he's not able to do it again but being a senior on this team being a guy that we know can really dominate down low. It's just surprising to see him have another really slow start to the season. Um, I was expecting this to kind of be a David McCormick, you know, farewell tour where he just goes absolutely ballistic and really kind of pushes and shows why, you know, he probably shouldn't be on this team next year because he should be playing better than that. So um, any, anything else from this? Well, or, or I should say actually first, any, anything else you wanted to say there before we move on? Okay. Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay. Okay, I didn't think so, but I just wanted to make sure. Um, I mean, anything else really that though that jumps out to you from this game? I mean, I was I was happy to see Zach Clements had have a big game. Uh, you know, he was again two of four from three. You know, he he got to the line a few times with three of four from the free throw line. You know, he made only one of four from two. It's weird having a guy that can play the five that is probably a better three point shooter than he is a two point shooter. But um, you know, he the the mismatches that he creates there playing the five makes him definitely an interesting guy. I I'm, I'm excited to see what kind of minutes he's able to get, but we haven't seen Jalen Wilson play yet. You know, he'll, he'll play in the games coming up. So, um, you know, there's bound to be a big shakeup at this point. Once Wilson gets back, this almost felt like these first few games, Bill Self was really just playing with lineups before he had the guys that he really thinks are going to be the ones that get the bulk of the minutes. Um, you know, are anyone else that really stands out to you though, that when Wilson does get back, and is able to to solidify his spot in the rotation, 
um, you know, that, that is going to continue to get the extra minutes that they're getting now because of just how well they're playing. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was, I guess, going to bring up is what happens when Jalen Wilson comes back because you know that, you know, they, they might ease him in, obviously, but you know he's going to get 25 to, you know, maybe even 30 minutes a game uh, when he comes back and um, deservedly so. I, I tweeted this, I think, the cleanest option and the best option is just to make him your starting center and have Dave come off the bench, but it seems pretty clear that that's not going to happen. So assuming he's going to be a one through four, um, you know, it's really tough to say. Um, obviously if, if Remy Martin is hurt and stuff and, and can't go, that solves that problem for at least a little bit. Um, but when he can come back and, and everyone's healthy, um, I think probably Dewan Harris, even though it seems very clear that Bill self likes him and trusts him, um, it seems like he's maybe the guy that, that comes off the bench. Um, or, you know, the other thing is like I, I mentioned in the preseason preview, maybe Jalen Wilson comes off the bench and he just kind of fills in cause he's so versatile. Um, you know, kind of whoever needs a break, he fills in for him. And, um, you know, you let some of those guys like a, like a Dewan Harris or a Christian Brown guys who don't really need the ball to be effective. You know, maybe you let them play their roles, uh, in the starting lineup. And then a guy like Jalen Wilson, who, is really more of a, a scorer and, and a primary, um, you know, not really primary ball handler, I guess, but, you know, guy who occupies a lot of the possessions uh, you let him come off the bench and, and just kind of go nuts for a while. Um, that's another option. So certainly there's, there's certainly um, a lot of things Bill self can do. I don't really uh, envy the predicament he's in. Uh, that's probably the, the toughest part about uh, the job is, you know, figuring out who's going to play when and stuff like that. So I certainly don't envy him there, but um yeah, it's just, it, I mean, it's just tough to say. I don't I don't really know who you take minutes away from at this point, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I would normally say a guy like K.J. Adams is probably going to get relegated to just being a, you know, garbage time, come on with walk-on type of thing. But, you know, he's he's played fairly well, especially defensively in the minutes that he's been in. He doesn't get very minutes anyway, so it's not like you're freeing up a whole bunch by not giving him minutes. Um, you know, I, I, I honestly, I feel like, Joe Yesifu is the guy that kind of gets the short end of the stick here where he's probably going to be the, he's probably going to be the only player that I'm looking at here that jumps out to me as a, a guy that can be seen as replaceable who is going to lose 50% of his minutes or more when Wilson comes back because he has to get minutes from somewhere. Um, and it's not that Yesifu hasn't been playing well because he has been. It's just that, you know, those minutes have to come from somewhere. Jalen Wilson has a higher ceiling. He's the guy you're expecting. Uh, but, you know, I do think it's going to kind of be a, a six-man rotation of, you know, these six guys are probably going to play starters minutes, um, you know, throwing McCormick in there. Although I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, shocked to see Wilson getting 10 minutes of, you know, at the five McCormick getting 10 minutes, Clemens getting 10 minutes and Mitch getting, you know, eight or nine minutes as well. So like, I, I mean, I, I could almost see that they have a rotating five to the point where McCormick no longer gets starters minutes at this point. Um, just because they have so many options now at the five that all give them completely different looks and allow them to do a bunch of different things. So until McCormick really turns it on and starts dominating, there's a lot of different options he has to give minutes to Wilson. I I, I do agree with you, though. It definitely seems like Martin has been playing fairly injured. I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a step back this weekend for this tournament um, and not really play very much at all to, like, give Wilson a big jolt of, you know, minutes that he can play and give an opportunity to kind of get him back up to speed with everybody else. So, um, so any other thoughts about this game or what we've seen so far before we t- take a look ahead at the tournament coming up this weekend? I think we nailed it. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, like I said, in the, in the beginning of this segment, the, the ESPN events invitational, um, you know, has a, 
a very strange name there for the bracket. Um, you know, they also have a, a very uh, eclectic collection of teams that are going to be there. I'm looking at the bracket now, and I'm trying to pull them all up. So you're going to have Alabama. Uh, let's see. On the other side of the bracket, it's Alabama against Iona, and also and then Belmont playing Drake. And then on Kansas' side of the bracket, Kansas starts off with North Texas, and then the other game is Dayton and Miami. Of those teams, like, obviously, coming into the season, the big game, the one you're hoping is the, the championship is that Alabama versus Kansas game in the championship. But um, o- over on Kansas' side of the bracket, you know, well, actually, let's let's start with the North Texas game because I don't, you know, I, I don't know that this game is necessarily going to be a gimme. North Texas is a, is a good team. Kansas should win this one fairly, you know, handily just because of how good Kansas is. But North Texas is not necessarily a slouch. Ken Palm has them down at 116. Um, but, you know, I think at least looking at them kind of briefly, it seems to me that they are the kind of team that if, if they're going to, if they're going to take off, yes, it probably won't be against Kansas, but they have an opportunity to, I think, surprise some people this year. Yeah, you know, uh, Conference USA Tournament champs last year, um, bit of a bit of a surprise that they did. I, I think they were, um, you know, eighteen and yeah, eighteen and ten last year, so you know, didn't even get to twenty wins, um, but they did win a game in the NCAA tournament and um, you know return almost everybody back from that team. So you know, even though last year was fake. Um, certainly a, a team with that much experience who, you know, went to the NCAA tournament and won a game, uh, certainly no pushover. Um, I would be obviously surprised if Kansas lost, but like you said, that's more due to Kansas's quality than a lack thereof on North Texas's part. I think they've got a chance to, you know, head back to the NCAA tournament this year, um, as well. So Kansas certainly is going to have to play well to win much better than they did against Tony Brook and, and much better than they did against Tarleton as well. So, uh, that's going to be a, a pretty difficult one, I think. And then um, just to, to touch on, this is more of a, so I, I don't forget type deal, but um, Miami of Florida potentially lurking in the second round and, and old friend, Charlie Moore uh, playing for Miami. So um, that would be interesting. I made a, a joke on Twitter that, you know, Bill Self's the only coach that's really stopped him so far. So it'd yeah. be kind of <laughs> inter- interesting if he has to do it from the other, uh, from the other bench this time. Yeah. I mean, I've also seen people calling that the Charlie Moore revenge game. The question is, is Kansas going to get revenge on Charlie Moore for the you know scholarship spot that he took up while he was here, or is he going to get revenge on Kansas for you know not really having an opportunity? Um, you know, regardless though, like that is definitely an interesting second round matchup. Um, you know, I'm looking at this North Texas game. There really isn't anything that jumps out to me as North Texas. You know, they do this really well, and it's going to give Kansas problems. You know, right now the line for this game, like the expectation for this game, according to Ken Palm, is that Kansas is going to win by 15, which I would not be shocked if it's that, you know, bad or even worse. Uh, because again, this Kansas team is just that good. If they are going to stay in this game, it's really going to have to come down low. Um, you know, they do have, I, I, I think it's Abu Usman or Usman. I don't know actually know how to say his name, but you know, he is a he's a big man for them. That is. There's actually a fairly a fairly decent guy in terms of you know his ratings and everything, um, you know his his offensive rating on the year so far is 104.7 average. Um, you know he he actually seems to be doing a few things down low fairly well, but you know I think that's really the thing. Like he has to have a big game. They have to be able to really pound Kansas down low, and Kansas is going to have to have a surprisingly um, 
down game, I think, for them just because of everything that Kansas has on on the perimeter there. So it's going to have to be a huge advantage for them for them to keep pace with what Kansas can do in the backfield or in the backcourt, especially with Ochai Baji just absolutely going off. Um, you know, I don't know that there's really much more to say about this game, but anything else jump out to you from from North Texas as something that Kansas fans would want to watch out for? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, junior point card Tyler Perry has had a, a heck of a start to his college career. Um, Shown he's already one of the better passers uh, so far. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, they haven't played the uh, the teams that Kansas has. You know, they played Buffalo and, and UT Arlington, but, um, you know, seven assists in his first two games, um, you know, shooting 44% from three, granted, again, just, you know, nine attempts, but um, really good start to his uh, to his college career and, um, he's a Juco transfer out of, uh, I think Coffeeville, if I remember correctly, when I was looking at this before the game. Um, and if I, again, remember correctly, they were the uh, national champions last year. So, um, not D one, obviously, but you know, someone with that kind of winning experience is something to, to keep an eye on and probably will be a pretty good matchup with, um, you know, I have to imagine Dewan Harris is going to guard him. It seems like he's, um, kind of taken over as maybe the, the best perimeter defender on the team thus far this year. Uh, although I think Ochai Abaji is really good. And, and I think Christian Brown has made some strides as well, but um, you know, Perry's just, uh, just five eleven, So in that height range uh, where, you know, Harris isn't going to get dominated size wise. So um, Harris will probably uh, grab that assignment. So I think that's probably the the main matchup I'm going to be watching outside of the one that you highlighted, but uh, assuming Kansas can, can hold serve there and then let their depth take over, you know, they should have a, a chance at covering. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm just take, taking a look in the second round, as you kind of talked about, you know, where there's that Dayton-Miami game that's lurking. Obviously, the Charlie Moore storyline would be interesting, but uh, do you have a, a particular reason for maybe wanting just matchup on the floor, either Dayton or Miami in that particular game? You know, uh, other than uh, Charlie Moore existing on one of them, I don't really know enough to to make an informed opinion there. I mean, I'm just kind of gathering or uh, going through the the Torvik page, and uh, you know, Miami's 72nd right now, and Dayton's 180th. So, I guess in terms of um, you know who they have a better chance of beating, you'd want to see Dayton. But uh, you know, I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Miami comes out and has a really good year in the ACC and. Uh, is a good win come tournament time. So I think there's good and bad to play in either one of them. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 looking at them and like Dayton hasn't really played anybody and it's one and three. Um, Miami, the the only team that they played that's even in the top, you know, 175 uh, is UCF at 56 according to Ken Palm, and they lost that one by six points at home. So um, they both have some issues. Miami, I think, is a is a team that theoretically could give Kansas some problems um, with some of the positions. But again, it's one of those things like you have to catch the exact right matchup in a certain spot. And it has to be just like, it has to be just phenomenal to outweigh everything else that Kansas can do. I don't think that I'm necessarily too worried about either of these matchups for Kansas. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know how much really it's worth breaking down at this point, just because one, we don't know who we're actually going to play and looking at both of these teams, there isn't a guy that really just jumps out other than that storyline for, for playing Charlie Moore again. So, um, yeah, I do want to take a look at the other side of the bracket because I think everyone knows that it's very, very likely that Kansas will be playing Alabama just the way that these teams are going. But, um, you know, I also was looking at the bracket and, and, uh, you know, half of the team's um, well, this is one of those tournaments that, yes, it's the ESPN Events Invitational. 
Um, but you might you might also call this the uh, the uh, in, in in terms of sponsor here on the podcast, home field apparel. It's the home field versus the non home field because half of the field here you know, has home field, the other half, including Kansas, does not. But for those of you that are not aware, and honestly, I'm surprised. Uh, if you are one of those people, because how could you not know about Homefield? Homefield is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel company. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, uh, and more for all of your favorite, or for a lot of your favorite teams. They have a, more than 100 schools that are available. They're adding more all the time. They're done adding for this year, but they are looking uh, in the spring to come out with a whole bunch more. Um, we already know that, uh, you know, uh, fellow Big 12 school TCU is on the list. Uh, I've been hearing some rumblings, nothing that I can confirm, but hearing some rumblings that there is definitely some movement on some of the Power 5 schools that are that are missing. Um, no, I do not know if Kansas is one of them. I have been bugging Travis Goff, as you should as well, uh, relentlessly on Twitter to get them to to uh, you know add them. I have a whole bunch of home field, and there's a bunch of you know new and recent ones that are absolutely amazing. I love a lot of the logos that they have. Uh, you know, including I've been looking at some of the ones here, some of the Alabama ones, as much as I hate getting any kind of Alabama stuff, they have some really cool looking shirts there. Um, you know, Belmont stuff looks really awesome as well. Again, if Kansas wasn't going to be playing one of these teams in the near future, I would be looking to try to get some. But, um, you know, Christmas is fast approaching. The holidays are fast approaching. If you want to get anything for the holidays, you do need to order as soon as possible. Um, they are constantly running out of things because of just how, how great and how popular these, these are. So uh, if you use promo code CHALK12, that's C-H-A-L-K-1-2, you can get 15% off of your first order. Uh, I know that they're Black Friday shopping. They're also doing like a 20% off of everything. So you, if you wanted to wait until then, I completely understand. But you will help us out here at the, at the podcast if you were to use promo code CHALK12. And, of course, you can always, you know, do 15% off your first order and then also do the 20% on Cyber Monday um, as well. So that would be absolutely fantastic. But all orders over $100 get free shipping. Um, you know, again, absolutely fantastic stuff. I highly recommend it. I have five different shirts that are all fantastic that my wife steals all the time. So promo code CHOCK12 gets you 15% off that first order. All orders over $100 get free shipping. So, all right. So looking at the other side of the bracket, you know, Alabama against Iona. I think everybody expects Alabama to win that game because... Iona has had issues all year long. Uh, Belmont Drake is an interesting one there, but I, I mean, do you see any possibility realistically that it's not Alabama coming out of this other side of the bracket? Yeah. You know, it's, it's really tough to say. Um, I Belmont is the team that kind of, um, you know, maybe would, maybe would give me some pause, I guess. And that's more just because of, uh, know how they've been in the past um i don't really know what they've got going on this year you know much like with the other side of the bracket but um i, I don't know um other than that though it, it really does seem like it's set up for a, a bama hopefully kansas but certainly you know i think alabama probably has the earlier or the uh, easier excuse me side of that bracket yeah i mean I, i'm looking at the ken palm matchup here uh it looks like it's actually fairly straightforward drake is 53 at kempom belmont is 61 so you know they expect drake to to get a a one point win here if you're looking at their projections um but looking at these two teams you know there's not anything that really jumps out to me as either you know something that either of them really do well um you know they're they're about about evenly matched in terms of overall offensive efficiency um you know overall oh well i'm sorry with the exception of the fact that uh Drake really has a problem with, you know, getting the ball stolen. Um, so that's something that very well could be super helpful for Drake. 
Um, Belmont, on the other hand, seems to let teams go to the line quite a bit. So some interesting trends to kind of take a look at. But when I then also go and take a look compared to Alabama, like Alabama is one of the best teams in the nation as well. They're a very, very good team this year. Um, you know, they're ranked 14 at Hempom. Uh, looking at their at their profile there, you know, they're a really good defensive team. Um, you know, they, they seem to give up a lot of two-pointers, but I think that's just because of the style that they play and where, where people have actually tried to attack them. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily help too much for Kansas because that's really where they're trying to go. But they're also a really good team on the inside in terms of offensively as well. So, um, you know, I, I do think that that's where Alabama is going to attack. So, so, so let's jump in, assuming that we're going to be having, I think we did this a couple years ago and it ended up, biting us because we we didn't assume that it was going to be Kansas versus Dayton and I if I remember correctly it was Kansas versus Dayton um and so all of our you know preview had gone to waste but I am fairly confident it's going to be out Kansas versus Alabama in the championship of this of this tournament so let's take a look at this matchup looking ahead to Alabama what do you think is the thing that Kansas needs to worry about the most um yeah, well, first off, you know, potential Bill Self versus replacement game I think uh you know to me Nate Oates is uh, a guy who's established himself as someone that Kansas should be keeping tabs on in the future. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, I think you look at a team who they're taking almost half of their shots from three and, and even though they're not making a ton of them, you know, that just does so much for you spacing wise. It's shown, I mean, they're shooting over 60% from two this year. Um, and I think of a good part of that is because teams have to respect the three so much that, you know, they're leaving open lanes for, uh, you know, relatively easy twos. Um, and then if you get a game where they're, you know, shooting a little bit better from three, then all of a sudden, you know, they have the opportunity to really go and run away from you. So for me, that's probably the biggest thing, um, you know, defensively, uh, they're doing a really good job um, as far as well, you know, I guess I won't say really good job. They're doing a, a reasonably good job in terms of, uh, you know, keeping teams off the, the free throw line. Um, doing an okay job as far as, you know, letting teams score from inside, of course, you know, that's against the schedule. That's not very good. So um, they're going to play Kansas and, and maybe Kansas anyway, and then they're going to play Gonzaga, Houston, Memphis. So, you know, I think we're going to see a little bit more in the future as far as uh, how good they are, but I think it's probably, you know, to Kansas's benefit that they're probably going to be the first, you know, really good team. If it happens anyways, that uh, Alabama sees this year, I think, you know, maybe by the time they play Houston and Memphis, they'll maybe be a little bit more used to the, the heightened competition. So um, I think offensively is, is where you have to watch them a little bit more than defensively to my mind. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the thing. I mean, Alabama is a good three point shooting team, or at least that's been their calling card, especially under Nate Oates. Um, that hasn't really borne out. Of course, they've only played four games. So it's not like this is, you know, um, a huge, a huge issue at this point. Um, you know, they're only making 31.6% of their three pointers. Um, I do think that part of that is probably just, how many they usually take, um, at least if I am looking at this correctly. Yeah, uh, well, no, actually, they don't seem to be... Oh, okay, never mind. They haven't been getting as many points from that, but yeah, they've been taking almost 50% of their shots from three. So um, that is a ridiculous amount. They shoot them like crazy. They're a little on a little bit of a cold streak, it seems, at the beginning of the season, but when you take as many as they do, you know, even making a lower clip, you're going to end up having a fairly good offense. So, um, yeah, that's the thing to take a look at. It's how much is Kansas going to be able to really disrupt what they're trying to do on the outside. Um, I do think we were talking about Dewan Harris kind of, you know, pulling some of those assignments. You know, uh, Ochai is pretty good about it. It's going to be a perfect time to have Jalen Wilson back. 
Um, he was an absolute terror on the defensive end at times last year as well. So um, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to really kind of sh- flex their muscles defensively. Um, you know, I thought they did it pretty well against Michigan State, but um, this seems to be a better test for them as well to kind of take a look. The one thing I did notice, it looks like both of these teams play really fast. Kansas playing a lot faster than I think they're used to. Um, I think part of that is just the mismatches. They're, they had an opportunity to get out there and run, and they're playing so many guys that those guys, when they finally get off the bench, they just want to take off and have some fun there. Um, but Alabama is typically a very fast-playing team as well. So um, I definitely think that it's a possibility there that this is going to be a super fast-paced game. Um, I'll be interested to see just how many possessions there are in this one. But um, you know, Kansas, for whatever reason, uh, likes to play fast this year. Um and so I, I'm expecting it to be a very, very high, you know, very, very fast paced, very high energy type of game. So. All right, Fetch, any other thoughts about this game uh, or anything with the tournament going on? Uh, no, I think we nailed it. All right, perfect. Well, um, you know, we, we theoretically could look ahead a little bit. I'm not sure when. The next time you and I will chat because, uh, you know, with all the holiday week and everything. But uh, but I definitely want to give you an opportunity as we go into the Thanksgiving weekend. Um, random sports minute. There's got to be something going on that most people aren't paying attention to that can help fill the sports void if they want to, you know, avoid talking to family or um, are, are tired of watching Dallas Cowboys football. Yeah, or Detroit Lions football. Oh, yeah, yeah, that one, too. I, I didn't want to kick Detroit when they were down, but. I think everyone. I get that. I get that they started it. So I know every year people like take this game away from them, and every year people are like, "Well, they started it." You know, it's whatever. But it's like, come on, (laughs) just have three random games on. One of these days, like they have to be more competitive, or it's like, yeah, why? Why are we watching it? I understand it's the only game on at that time, but it's really easy to tune it out when you're busy eating turkey and don't really want to watch it. Yeah, I. It it's. I mean, I'm. You know, I I keep not really cool tabs on them i guess but as a fan of another nfc north team it just boggles my mind how they can be so bad every year and, and never improve regardless of what they do it's just it's just insane to me but especially in the nfl where it's like they want everyone to be you know mediocre um yeah. how, how they can be so bad all the time but anyway um i guess i'm gonna go with the uh well we'll do we'll do a, a quick you know 30 seconds on each so the uh, the U S curling, uh, Olympic trials just ended last night, uh, defending gold medalist, John Schuster made it once again for the men. This is his fifth straight Olympics, which, um, is the most ever for, I think a curler from any country, if I, uh, am nice. speaking correctly. Um, and then the women's team was won by mostly the same group, uh, that went four years ago. If I, uh, remember correctly, it's just that their skip, which is kind of the, the captain, um, and another person on our team, like switch roles. Uh, and then currently the, uh, Canadian, uh, curling trials are going on right now. And, and that's probably the hardest tournament to win even harder than the Olympics, just cause everybody is so good. Uh, whereas in the Olympics, you know, you get teams from, uh, you know, wherever that, that aren't quite as strong. So, um, that's all on, on the ESPN app. If you have it and it's free unlike the four ninety nine a month that Jeff Long charges you, um, but that's uh, that's fun to watch, just to to pull up for me anyway during work, just kind of have in the background. Um, don't really, you know, haven't really kept too much tabs on that over the last four years. So I don't really know who kind of the the favorites are or whatever, but uh, just uh, just nice background noise for you. 
Yeah, for sure. All right, Fetch. Well, thank you for joining me here. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And, of course, thanks to Mike for joining us in the first segment to talk KU football. Um, it's nice to be able to talk KU football and it not be, you know, five minutes long because nobody actually wants to talk about it at this point. So, um, but that's going to do it for this episode. Um, you know, we do Thanksgiving is coming up. So I, you know, absolutely phenomenal this year. It's been a great year. I'm thankful for a whole lot of things and we'll do, you know, the super sappy wrap up of the year at the end of the year here. But, uh, uh, you know, just in the season that this is, I, I want to thank all you guys for listening so much. If you have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the other million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe and get every episode as soon as it comes out. I'm not sure what our schedule is going to look like during the holiday season, uh, but I know through the rest of football season, at least, we're going to have, you know, the full number of episodes we normally do at least two a week, kind of depending on what's going on with basketball. Um, you know, if it's worth, or if we have special stuff that comes up, you know, it's worth. But once once that football season is over and we've kind of done all the wrap ups and everything, we're gonna we're gonna get to a point here where we might take a step back. Um, not not really sure at this point, but I'll definitely keep you guys updated. But uh, if you can give us a rating and a review for the podcast, five stars, nice comments would absolutely love that. It really does help to get the podcast out there so that more people listen, so we can try to do more cool things. You know, get some more ideas about how we want to do things around here. But if you do have any suggestions for the podcast, any questions, comments, uh, anything like that, you want to try to interview anyone in particular, go send me a message either on rock uh, or, or by email at rock chalk or on Twitter at rock chalk pod. Uh, because we are part of the anchor platform, you actually can leave us a voicemail, go to rock. I'm sorry, anchor.fm slash rock dash chalk dash podcast slash message. Uh, and I promise that we will go ahead and get that on, on the podcast here. Uh, if, um, because we are part of the 1012 network, we have a whole bunch of different podcasts here that are really, really great talking about all the teams in the Big 12. A lot of them are super entertaining, so I highly recommend that you get out there and find out about the rest of these teams. With basketball ramping up, there's going to be a lot of great information about the teams that Kansas is going to play uh, in Big 12 play. So uh, go to 1012 network on Twitter. That's at ten one two network uh, and find links to all the shows that we have there. But uh, make sure you visit all the sponsors we have, Gridiron, Symbol, and uh, home field use promo code shock 12 at all of those get some absolutely fantastic deals but uh, that is going to do it for us tonight fetch thanks again for joining me thank you guys so much for listening and we will catch you guys next time on the rock chalk podcast Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by my brother, Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, anyplace. Get at your boys. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big 10, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 podcast and subscribe today.
Social Podcast Network.